Good morning. The scripture for today is 1 John chapter 3. See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Dear friends, now we are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. All who have this hope in him purify themselves just as he is pure. Everyone who sins breaks the law. In fact, sin is lawlessness. But you know that he appeared so that he might take away our sins. And in him is no sin. No one who lives in him keeps on sinning. No one who continues to sin has either seen him or known him. Dear children, do not let anyone lead you astray. The one who does what is right is righteous, just as he is righteous. The one who does what is sinful is of the devil, because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. No one who is born of God will continue to sin because God's seed remains in them. They cannot go on sinning because they have been born of God. This is how we know who the children of God are and who the children of the devil are. Anyone who does not do what is right is not God's child, nor is anyone who does not love their brother and sister. For this is the message you heard from the beginning. We should love one another. Do not be like Cain, who belonged to the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own actions were evil and his brothers were righteous. Do not be surprised, my brothers and sisters, if the world hates you. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love each other. Anyone who does not love remains in death. Anyone who hates a brother or sister is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life residing in him. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and truth. This is how we know that we belong to the truth and how we set our hearts at rest in his presence. If our hearts condemn us, we know that God is greater than our hearts and he knows everything. Dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God and receive from him anything we ask because we keep his commands and do what pleases him. And this is his command, to believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and to love one another as he commanded us. The one who keeps God's commands lives in him, and he in them. And this is how we know that he lives in us. We know it by the spirit he gave us. Thank you for your word. Amen. Thank you, Laura, for reading that marathon scripture. Yeah. <laughs> hey, everybody, all of those who... Uh, warmed your car up to worship here in person, and all of those who warmed up your electric blanket to worship at home, we are one faith family in Jesus, and I love you all. And uh, do people even use electric blankets anymore? 
They do? All right. Last Sunday, uh, you decided Faith Westwood's path for the future. And I know that each of you participated in this decision because you love God, you love one another, and you love this church. It didn't go my way, but that's okay. You know, on a personal level, I, I am thankful for the United Methodist Church. I mean, I, for the past 42 years, uh, I have received five wonderful appointments, better than I deserved. And uh, just a squelch of rumor that someone came, told me that was going around, uh, there will not be another vote. That's not even possible. It's not even allowed. So if you've heard something to the contrary, rest easy, stay cool. But mostly I want to emphasize that we are the same faith family that we were last Sunday. Uh, you know, you're going to come here, you're going to see a lot of the same faces you saw last Sunday. Our, uh, our pantry supplied groceries to lots of uh, people in the neighborhood uh, yesterday, as usual, fourth Saturday. Our small groups met this last week. They're going to be meeting again this week. We are still a great place for kids and students. You know, uh, I've shared this before, but um, some many years ago, God whispered in my heart about this church, and it still rings true. I've put a lot of love in this church, and there is still a lot of love in this church. Now, personally, I do not regret that you had the opportunity to make the choice about your denomination. It was rough. It was hard. But you did it. I can also see as I look back on with uh, 2020 hindsight, eh, some, some things that I would have done differently. Um, I would have invited our district superintendent, Chad Engelmeyer, to come last fall uh, to give the pro-United Methodist pro viewpoint instead of waiting till January. In January, I don't think I would have advocated my preferred outcome anymore. You know, the emails and videos that I sent out this month, I don't know that they helped. Maybe they did more harm than good. I can't really say, but maybe I had said enough before. I didn't need to add to it. And I think that I would, I would not have naively assumed that our shared beliefs about Jesus could keep us from being so divided in this decision. And one more, I would, have, I would have much more carefully phrased things in last Sunday's uh, message so that no one could have misunderstood me. And I want to clarify it now. I did not and would never say that those of you wanting to stay United Methodist are worshiping a false god or I have a counterfeit Jesus. And I was so sorry to hear that a few of you took it that way. You know, part of my job as a pastor is to try to make things so clear and it, that there's not, to not allow for those kind of misunderstandings. But sometimes I fail, and I think for a few of you I did last Sunday. And so for all of these that I've identified so far and probably more that I will think of later, I, I give you my sincere apology. I'm sorry that I wasn't wiser about some of these things. And I want you to know that I will do everything in my power to help this congregation heal and move forward.
And I'm so thankful to Alan Hansen for leading uh, our sessions. The first one is today uh, on reconciliation and healing. And I hope that there will be four of them. I hope you can attend at least one of them. Okay? Let's pray. Lord, save us. Help us to, to not let our disagreements turn into divisions. Lord, give us the desire and the ability to love one another well, to forgive as we are forgiven. And now, Lord, open our hearts to your word so that we may receive it gladly. In the name of Jesus, our Lord, we pray. Amen. You know, once in a while, my son comes up with a really clever pun. And sometimes my daughter, when she's working on a, uh, she, she makes a really creative change in a recipe. And when, when I hear, see and hear these things, it just makes me smile. That's my son. That's my daughter. Whether they like it or not, a little bit of me has crept into each of them. They're my kids. And knowing and following Jesus makes us God's children. Today is the fourth Sunday in our series, If We Walk in the Light, and uh, we are walking through the first letter of John, and today's message is about how we are God's children now. You know, one of the things that John addresses in this letter over and over is, how do we know? How do we know we belong to Jesus? How do we know we have eternal life? Well, uh, I'm going to put several verses up from uh, the second chapter of John that we've gone through the last couple of weeks. And, and each one of these verses has the, the uh, we know or you know, because he really wants to emphasize how do we know. So verse 2, we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commands. Verses 5 and 6, this is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. Verse 14, I write to you because you know the Father. I write to you because you know him who is from the beginning. Verse 20, you have an anointing from the Holy One, and all of you know the truth. Verse 21, I do not write to you because you do not know the truth, but because you do know it. And finally, verse 29, if you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who does what is right has been born of him. And now, there's a lot more that John's going to say about that in, in chapters 3, 4, and 5. Uh, but John wants his, his readers to come to the end of that letter and say, yes. Now we know we belong to Jesus. Now we know we have eternal life in him. Now, Laura read all 24 verses of chapter 3, but today I'm just going to walk through the first 10 verses. And uh, so I'm going to ask you to grab a Bible. Maybe you brought one. There's one in, in a pew in front of you. Uh, you got it on your phone. Those of you at home, I hope you'll be able to get a hand on a Bible and, and please follow along because we're going to walk through these uh, verses just verse by verse. All right, today, verse 1. See what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. 
lavish. That's the word that comes out at me from this verse. What a, what a great word, lavish. Uh, it's like on, on Thanksgiving how I pour gravy on my, my mashed potatoes and my dressing and my turkey. And I pour it lavishly. I always say that gravy is my favorite vegetable. <laughs> and that's like the love that the Father has lavished on us. And out of that lavish love, you have been named and claimed as a child of God. But once you belong to Jesus, you're going to have some people who are going to go, oh, when they hear about that, oh, they're going to groan, they're going to roll their eyes and go, oh, you're not one of those, are you? And the rest of verse 1, John adds, the reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. It's hard for non-believers to understand Jesus' people if they don't know Jesus. And we have to expect that that's, that happens. So then in verse 2, it starts by reaffirming what it said in verse 1. Dear friends, now we are God's children. We are children of God. And now can also be translated already. Uh, meaning that we are children of God already in this life. Well, and that makes us think, what about the next life? What about in the age to come when God restores all things in heaven and earth and we are given our new resurrection bodies? What will that be like? What will we be like? And John addresses that in the rest of verse 2, and it's one of the greatest promises in all of Scripture. It says, and, and what we will be has not yet been made known. That is, we don't exactly know what our resurrection bodies will be like and, and what life will be like in the age to come, but we do know this. We know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. The Messiah appeared on earth for a short time, and he will appear again at the end of the, of the present age and at the uh, dawn of the age to come. And in the age to come, if you belong to Jesus, I want you to know, you will still be you. That's not going to change. You will still be you. Matter of fact, you will be the youest you you've ever been. But you will also be like Jesus. Wonderfully, beautifully, completely like Jesus. And, and this perf perfecting won't happen through a, a long and painful purgatory. It'll happen in an instant when you see his face. How many of you have watched any of the, the TV series, The Chosen? Raise your hand. Let me know. Oh, quite a number of you. Uh, uh, the acting and the writing is so good. Uh, and including Jonathan Rumi, who plays Jesus. Uh, but, you know, when I pray... When I talk to Jesus, I don't imagine Jonathan Rumi's face. I don't. Uh, actually, when I, when I kind of address to Jesus, I don't put a particular face to him because I think, well, I don't really know exactly what he looks like. The, uh, the first Christian martyr in the Bible in Acts chapter 7 was a guy named Stephen. And right before he died, God gave him a vision where heavens opened up and and he saw Jesus standing to welcome him. And so based on that, I believe that when I die, it will be Jesus who will be the first face I see. 
Um, and verse 3 adds, so all of us who have this hope, this is what we're looking forward to, all who have this hope purify themselves just as he is pure. So we're looking forward to this day when we're going to see Jesus, and we're going to be like Jesus, and it puts us on the path of becoming like him in this life. What we're aiming for in the next life, we're on the path toward it in this life. So when it says we purify ourselves, it's not saying that we're going to make ourselves good. I mean, it's going to have to be God's grace at work in us. But we're participating in it. We are desiring it because we want to be like him. And we need that purifying because we still have sin in us. So why do we sin? We sin because we're sinners. And I'm not talking about making mistakes. I'm not talking about errors of judgment. This is is talking about what we deliberately do. Verse 4 says, everyone who sins breaks the law. In fact, sin is lawlessness. Sin is knowing God's way and then choosing something else. Now, John Wesley, he was the founder of the Methodist movement, and he, he knew that sin is a condition of the heart. But in terms of actions, he said that sin is a voluntary transgression of a known law of God. Right? Sin is a voluntary transgression of a known law of God. So, for example, God gave Eve and Adam an entire orchard of fruit trees and said, you can eat from any tree except that one. So what did they do? Out of their own free will, they did what God forbade them to do. And in our own way, we've been doing it ever since. It's voluntary transgression of a known law of God. But out of God's great love, Jesus entered our story to rewrite it. In verse 5, it says, But you know that he appeared so that he might take away our sins, and in him is no sin. So the sinless one came to set us free from our captivity to our sin. Many years ago in, in, in the house we lived in at the time, we found these little itty-bitty bugs, like ants with wings. Yes, we had termites. We called the exterminator who, who drilled holes all around the foundation of our house and treated it inside and out. What do exterminators do? Exterminators terminate termites. Say that ten times real fast. Exterminators terminate termites. And Jesus is on the job like that. He's treating the foundation of your life. He's making changes in you inside and out. He came to terminate your sins, not only by forgiving you, but by changing you. And then John gives one of the boldest statements ever in verse 6. No one who lives in him keeps on sinning. No one who continues to sin has either seen him or known him. Now, just so you know, John's not talking about, okay, we've got to be absolutely sinless from this point of life on. He's talking about the direction of our lives. A few years ago, I told you this story. I'm going to tell it a little differently, but I think it's worth telling. When I was in college, I, I sang in the, in the college swing choirs, kind of like a, a show choir, but smaller. 
And uh, in the shows, the performances that we had, sometimes I had an opportunity to do a solo. And uh, one of the songs that I uh, used to perform was a kind of a comical song by an artist named Jim Croce. But after a while, I don't know, something about that song just started bothering me. And on, t- on tour over spring break, uh, one of our stops was at a large high school in Chicago. Must, must have been 3,000 kids there. And I played guitar, and I sang this song, and the place, I mean, they were just wrapped up into it. They were so quiet. And when I finished, I, I was shocked because the audience just erupted with exuberant applause and cheering. Kind of heady stuff. I believe that that was the last time I ever performed that song. Why? Because part of the humor in it is it makes fun of a woman of a certain body type. And all I could think about was some girl in that auditorium wishing she could just be invisible, feeling bad about herself because of my song. I think that was God's way of telling me, Steve, that's not your song anymore. Put it away. N.T. Wright is the author of a study guide a lot of us are using for this uh, series. And uh, he talks about when we belong to Jesus. He says, we are playing a different piece of music now. And even if our fingers slip sometimes and play some wrong notes, notes that belong to the music we used to play, that doesn't mean that we're going back to play that old music for real once more. So when John says that if we live in Jesus, we don't keep on sinning, it doesn't mean that we can never sin or that we will never sin. It's saying that we have a new agenda now. We're singing Jesus' song now. We mess up some, but that's the song we're singing. We're living in his righteousness now. You you remember that line from the movie Forrest Gump? Mama always used to say, stupid is as stupid does. It's the same with righteousness. Verse 7. Will you look at that one with me? Dear children, do not let anyone lead you astray. The one who does What is right is righteous, just as he, Jesus, is righteous. So the false teachers were were trying to lead them astray and tell them that, you know, Christians can be fully righteous before God and then sin all they want. God doesn't care. You can keep singing the old song, but John says, no. Righteous is as righteous does. You're singing a new song now, baby. Any Chiefs fans in the house? What? You, I, got, I got two, I got a couple here with their big Kansas City Mahomes sweatshirts on. They are ready to go. Tonight, Kansas City played Cincinnati for a spot in the Super Bowl. And, you know, just like you got to know what song you're singing, you got to know what team you're rooting for. The Savior's team or Satan's team. You got to decide because 
we pretty much know who's going to win in the end, don't we? Verse 8, verse 8. The one who does what is sinful is of the devil. Because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. You've, you've taken a few snaps on the devil's team, haven't you? Yeah. Maybe we all have. But you are a free agent now. Sign up for Jesus' team. He's got great benefits. And he's leading us on a championship series. And then John reiterates how, how sinning is no longer the norm for Jesus' people. Because God has changed you. You are in his family now. Verse 9 no one who was born of God will continue to sin because God's seed, which means God's life, remains in them. They cannot go on sinning because they have been born of God. Anybody here ever have a mild case of COVID? Some number of you? I, I, as far as I know, I've never had COVID, but, but uh, I know a lot of you have had mild cases in the same way, it is easy to, for us to assume uh, that you might assume that you have a mild case of sin. I've just, I've just got a mild case of sin. But the Bible makes it clear that none of us has a mild case of sin. That spiritual virus stays in our system. It is cunning. And we are easily deceived by it. So what about your jealousy and envy? What about your selfishness and outbursts of anger? What about your quarreling and that deep down resentment you've been hanging on to? For some of you, what about that porn habit you've been hiding so I ask you today is, is the life of God in you have you been born into God's family through Jesus what song are you singing what team are you on well I got some good news for you Jesus has openings on his team He's got openings just for you. He's recruiting you. And if you don't think you're good enough, don't worry about it. He'll coach you up. Just, just get on the team. Sign up. Get into it. And in verse 10, John says, again, we know. So he's coming back to this, this how we know. He says, this is how we know who the children of God are and who the children of the devil are. Anyone who does not do what is right is not God's child, nor is anyone who does not love their brother or sister. So he's saying that righteousness and love, that's what characterizes the people of God. So by this definition, what do you say? Are you God's child? It's not about whether you're perfect, because none of us are. It's about the goal of your life, the direction of your life. Maybe even now you can hear the song of God's children.
Its lyrics are righteousness. And its melody is love. Are you ready to sing along? Let's, let's pray about it. Lord Jesus, you know I wander from you sometimes, maybe far from you. And I have often deceived myself into thinking that I have a mild case of sin. Lord, I need you to put me on a new path, set me in a new direction. I need you to restore my soul. Oh, Lord, I want to be on your team. I want to sing your song. I need you to save me. And so, Lord, here I am. Take me. I'm yours today and every day. And if that prayer that I just led in expresses the desire of your heart, um, I'm going to pray it again. And I would invite you, if, if you say, me too, Lord, just, just raise your hand. You can hold your hand up during the whole prayer or just uh, for a second or whatever you want to do, but just lift your hand and say, okay, Lord, me too. This is my prayer. This is me. This is what I need. This is what I want. I'll pray it again. Lord Jesus, I have wandered far from you, and I have deceived myself into thinking I just have a mild case of sin. Oh, Lord, I need you to put me on a new path. I need you to restore my soul. I want to be on your team. I want to sing your song. I need you to save me. And so, Lord, here I am. Take me, I'm yours, today and every day. And now let's pray the prayer Jesus wanted his disciples to keep on praying. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.